The following is a hoop ball presentation. We're back. Welcome to the Hoop Ball DFS Today podcast. Here to break down this wonderful Saturday, November 13th card. I'm Mike Apatra, your host, flying solo for this six-game main slate. We have a lot of news that we're going to need to monitor throughout the day, but we're going to talk about all angles. We're going to talk about what happens if these guys play, what happens if these guys sit, how we can adjust, maybe even a little line of construction, how I'm looking at I'm going to dive right into this. We got, like I said, six games to talk about. First game on the docket is going to be the Philadelphia 76ers traveling to Indiana, taking on the Pacers for the Pacers. Part of that news that we need to monitor is Karis LeVert. He's questionable. He's missed the last two games. TJ Warren still out for the Sixers. Joel Embiid, Isaiah Joe, Grant Riller. Ben Simmons, Matisse, Thibel, all ruled out. As far as the game total in the line, we got 217 and a half with the Pacers being favored by two points. So start off with Philly. Start at the top. Highest expensive player, Andre Drummond, coming in at 9K. He is certainly in play. A little bit of a disappointment in that last game from Drummond. Believe me, if anybody felt the disappointment, it was me. I had a ton of shares. I'm sure a lot of people did. He was pretty highly owned. Only took eight shot attempts and shot 25%, which is pretty unlike Andre Drummond. Uh, He's usually a 50-plus percent shooter and only had 12 rebounds. So this is a matchup where they're going to need his size. Going against this big Pacers front court with Demonis Sabonis, Miles Turner. I think we got a pretty comfortable floor when we're looking at Drummond of about 38 to 40 DK points and the ceiling upwards of 50 to 60. So he's definitely, most certainly, in play. Probably one of the guys I'd want to spend up on if we didn't have. 57 different centers we could choose from on this card. So that's a tough challenge that we're going to get to. And uh, I let the cat out of the bag earlier. A lot of options, a lot of center options. And Andre Drummond might even find himself being a little contrarian with all these center options. So while he was chalky in the last ones with the price increase up to 9K, and with so many other center options that we could choose from, I don't think he'll be as chalky on this one. Outside of him, Tobias Harris coming in at 8-9. The usage will certainly be there. He'll lead this team in shot attempts, most likely. And he does have that rebounding upside, especially in this matchup. Should handle the ball a little bit more with all these other guys out. But with that being said, at 8,900, I just don't find myself spending up on him. Tyrese Maxey has been nothing but fantastic over the last three games. And I'll be honest, uh, I have no problem taking one off the chin because that's what I've been doing. I haven't been playing as much Maxey. He's still a great option in this one. I still don't think I'll spend up. I, I kind of just want to... Avoid him. Uh, and simply because I think he's going to draw some good amount of ownership in this one. And if I can get an edge on the ownership aspect of him. And listen, when you take one off the chin three straight games, you think to yourself, well, what's four? Last thing you want to do is hop on the bandwagon and have him have that down game. So I'm probably going to be lower than the field on him. I'm not going to completely fade him. I'll have him in a few, maybe one or two lineups. I just don't see myself going full go on him. Only other options that I probably have interest in would be a guy like Seth Curry at 58. I, I kind of just want to avoid all these priced up options that we were playing for value, like Furk Don Korkmaz and George's Nang. These guys are, with the bodies back in the picture, their usage is down, their minutes are down a little bit. They're a little bit less uh, worthwhile. And we have some other value options that we could look at later on in this slate. So for me, 
It's mostly going to be guys like Seth Curry and Andre Drummond with a little sprinkle of Tyrese Maxey. On to the Pacers side of the ball. Really got to wait and see what's going on with the vert. If the vert sits, TJ McConnell becomes a great play again at 5,600. We're starting to see him shoot well, which is a little unsustainable when we're talking about his shooting percentages over the past four games. Lowest in that span has been 61%. In the past two, he's been shooting over 70%. So that seems a little unsustainable. So I don't know if those necessary like 40-point games and 37-point games are going to be there for him. But it's also a little bit of a revenge narrative going against his former team. And if the minutes are there, the usage will continue to be there. He's got a fantastic assist ratio. So steals upside as well. So makes a great FanDuel play, knowing that you get three points per steal over there on FanDuel. So I'll keep him in my player pool. Again, if Levert plays, probably not, not getting too much of him. And that's probably really the only option I really have a lot of interest on over here. Now, I'm not saying these other guys aren't in play. They most certainly are. Uh, but... There's a lot of options I do like, and I don't want to go full bore into this game. I could see if you wanted to play Duarte at 51, but I probably won't do that. The usage has come down from him. The field goal percentage has come down as well. Could be a get-right game, but it's just a guy that I'd rather just go on the other side of the ball and play someone like Seth Curry. And then Brogdon's bonus, both these guys are priced up. And now listen, I'm not saying they're not worth the prices, because when Brogdon plays, he plays heavy minutes. He takes heavy shot attempts. He has the steals, even block upside for a guard. He does a little bit of everything. He contributes across the board. But I find myself on this slate going towards the mid-tier and then maybe throwing one high-priced guy in there. And if I'm going to throw a high-priced guy in there, I'd probably rather just reach a little higher. On to the next game, one that's going to be loaded with fantasy value and ownership across the slate as well. We have the Washington Wizards traveling to Orlando, taking on the Magic for the Magic. Michael Carter-Williams, Markel Fultz, Jonathan Isaac, and Etwan Moore all ruled out. And then for the Wizards, Bradley Beal has been ruled out already due to personal reasons. Obviously, that is going to be the big factor on this slate. Davis Berton still dealing with ankle injury. Thomas Bryant still dealing with ACL recovery. And then Rui Hachimura is not with the team. So, we have a lot to, uh, a lot to look forward to, a lot to look at in this game. One of the lower totals on the slate, 204 and a half. Washington being favored by four and a half points. So we'll start off with Washington here with Bradley Beal off the floor. We obviously have a lot to look at. There's a lot of usage that gets spread around. We know that Bradley Beal is one of the league leaders in the usage. So Spencer Dinwiddie, it's going to be the first guy that comes to everyone's mind. 31.2% usage rate with no Beal on the floor, averaging 1.33 DK points per He's absolutely in play. We've already seen a big game from him earlier in the season when Beal was forced to sit. Price tag is right in that middle. Like you heard me say it, mid tier. Uh, it is a fabulous place to be on this slate. So the usage bump he is getting is a 7% usage bump compared to his season average. So that's a lot. 7% doesn't sound like a whole lot, but that is a massive usage increase. Obviously, the other guy that people first think of is going to be Kyle Kuzma coming in with a lower usage rate, but the DK points per minute just happened to be right there because of his rebounding upside 27.1% usage. 1.25 DK points per minute. That's a usage bump of 6% for him on the season. So big usage bump right there with him. And then there's a couple other options on this. Say, I think that we could definitely look at now who draws the start. It might be Aaron holiday, might be Raul Neto. Either one of those guys would certainly come into play. I think I would prefer Neto if he starts over holiday, but if it comes off the bench, probably won't have a lot of shares of either, either one of these guys, but Catavius Caldwell Pope, while he's not getting a, a massive usage bump or, Anything like that. We know that the the shot attempts will be there. This is the kind of uh, game where we could see Cobalt Pope have a big one. 
And for a big one, it's, you know, 30 DK points at his price tag of around 4,200. So I definitely have some interest in Caldwell Pope. He's kind of like a one-off GPP type play. Obviously, I think Dinwiddie and Kuzma make for the better cash plays. But don't shy away necessarily from Caldwell Pope. And I'm not saying shy away, but don't forget about him. There's a lot of guys in that 4,200 range for value that we could look at. And if you're maybe only playing one of Dinwiddie or one of Kuzma, he might make a lot of sense. I don't want to get over-invested and play three of these guys in this game simply because it's got a lower game total. And I didn't want to leave out Montrez Harrell either. There's, like I said, so many center options that we could look at. But they're going against an Orlando team that does play big with their size of Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter Jr. in the front court. He's also a great fantasy point producer this season, averaging 1.3 DK points per minute with Beal off of the floor. That's a usage of 25.9. So these three guys are basically going to handle a lot of the usage. It's a 4.8% bump from his season average. I think all three of these guys are in play. I want to try to get two. I think, you know, with other center options that we have available, I mean, Harold feels like a great smash option in this game. But we have other options. So it's really going to come down to your construction and how you want to sprinkle and mix and match. This is a multiple type lineup day. For me, I'm going to probably have uh, a couple of those 20 entry maxes maxed out. And that's the way I'm looking at this slate. On to the Orlando side of the ball. There's only one guy I have a whole lot of interest in, and it's going to be Wendell Carter Jr. at 6,800. Left that game early in the last one after he had his eye scratched. He was questionable coming in. They already said he's going to play, but he's just been fantastic. This matchup feels like it's picture perfect for him. I could see one of those nice double-doubles for him with a couple of steals or blocks involved. Now, we're not going to get these uh, these assist ratios that we've had over the past six games with a three, a four, and a six assist game in there. It's going to be one or two. That's just the way he plays. He's not a, he's not a point forward. He's not a point, uh, point center. He's not Jokic. But a guy that's been comfortably giving us about 38 DK points, what it feels like, on almost a nightly basis over the past few games. So I do have some interest in Wendell Carter Jr. at 6,800. He has that power forward eligibility. I don't expect him to draw much ownership, if any, at all. If you want to play Cole Anthony for the upside, we've seen it plenty of times. At 7,700, I probably won't. But it'll be a little bit more contrarian. It's a plus matchup for him. I definitely could see why you would want to play him. On to the third game, Memphis Grizzlies traveling to New Orleans to take on the Pelicans. Both these teams on the second end of a back-to-back, so we do not have the injury report as of this morning. And we're also going to be waiting on some news, but we do have a game total, 221.5. Memphis favored by two. I'm always in team fade John Morant at that price tag, but with not a lot of options to spend up on, he's certainly in play. The Pelicans play little to no defense. This is going to be an up-paced game for the Grizzlies. At 10-2, he draws one of the better matchups for any point guard going against a guy like Devontae Graham, who plays pretty horrendous defense. So I'm normally team fade John Morant at this price tag. I've been just taking it off the chin when he does well. And I'm not saying you need to play him, but this is probably one of the first times in a while I'll say he is in play. But there's somebody else I have interest in. He's been a little volatile. He's been a little up and down. He was questionable coming into last night's game, so we're going to have to monitor that. The minutes are never secure when we're looking at a guy like Steven Adams. But when he gets the minutes, we can pretty much assure that he's going to return our price tag uh, at 4600 Going against Jonas Valanciunas, I expect that they're going to need his size. They're not going to want to run Jaron Jackson Jr. at the center position against Jonas all that much. Jaron would probably find himself in foul trouble pretty early if that's the case. And even so, if that happens, we'll see a little bit more Steven Adams. So it's a back-to-back. We're going to have to monitor his situation, the news and all that. But he only played 22 minutes in that last game. I'm expecting this a matchup where they're going to need that size. It's also against his former team last season, so a little narrative involved in there. So another center that we can put 
on our watch list and keep an eye on them and consider them. It's probably all I'm really looking at with, for this team. You know, Jaron Jackson, again, 6,200. is a fantastic play, don't get me wrong. Just not a guy I'm overly excited about on this slate and in this matchup. For the Pelicans' side of the ball, I would say Jonas very much in play at 93. For tournaments only, just because that's a high salary, he could easily pay that off in this matchup against his former team. We've seen him routinely put up these 40-point games. We've seen 15, 60 in his arsenal. So he's in play for tournaments. There's better cash game plays out there. And then outside of him, if we see that Brandon Ingram's ruled out again, we can continue to just consider Josh Hart, who's playing big minutes, giving us about a 30-point game left and right. So I don't mind. Not, that's that's DK points, not actual points. So I don't mind looking at Josh Hart. The only other guy I would look at would be the Herb Jones if there is no Brendan Ingram. Minutes were down in that last one, but normally he's playing around that 28 to 30-minute mark. He's turning out like 20 DK point games at 3,400. He'd make for a rock-solid value play if you need it. Before we go any further, quick shout-out to our presenting sponsor over at Manscaped. Guys, check out Manscaped.com, the number one male grooming site and products in the world right now. They have a whole line and array of fantastic products, including the lawnmower, the ear, nose and hair trimmer, toners, shea butters, creams, aftershaves, you name it, they have it. And you can get a little bit of everything in that perfect package kit that we always talk about. So if you head over there and use that promo code HOOPBALL20, get yourself a gift, get somebody else a gift coming up for the holidays, and you get 20% off plus free shipping using the promo code HOOPBALL20. All right, we will keep it moving. Detroit, traveling to Toronto taking on the Raptors. Detroit on the second end of a back-to-back. For the Raptors, Precious, Ken Birch, both these guys questionable. Pascal Siakam is active for this one after sitting that last back-to-back due to rest coming back from a big injury. No game line. No. Oh, I'm sorry, 201 game total. Toronto favored by nine points, so pretty large spread, one of the large and also one of the lower totals. So that tells you a little bit about what we're going to be looking at in this game. Kelly Olynyk still out. We know that for the Pistons. He says he's going to miss the next few weeks with a grade two MCL sprain. Isaiah Stewart was a big letdown for everybody, including myself, in that last one. And it's always a worry when you look at Isaiah Stewart, is that could he stay out of foul trouble? Could this game stay close? A lot of those factors are going to be involved with how many minutes he's going to play at 4,400. I'm willing to take another stab at him. We know his upside could be 35-plus if everything goes right which is staying out of foul trouble. He picked up two fouls inside the first like minute and a half or two minutes in that last game. So is that the norm? With Isaiah Stewart, it could be, but I'm going to still say no. That early, no. I can see him picking up two fouls in the first quarter. That would obviously impact his minutes. And as soon as that happens, it takes him from playing 34 minutes to most likely at most like 27 to 28. So I do have interest in Isaiah Stewart. I think he'll still be fairly chalky. Probably not as much ownership as he had in last night's slate, but 4,400, another center to throw into our rotation of the many, many centers that we want to play. Only other guy I have any interest in this game, like I said, it's going to be a tough game defensively for the Pistons. Toronto, with their length, can throw a wrinkle in there for guys like Grant and Sadiq Bey. Cade Cunningham at 5,600, though, I do have a little interest. We know his upside. His shooting guard eligibility and point guard eligibility surely helps with our construction. He's playing 30-plus minutes on a nightly basis now. Played 30 minutes in their last back-to-back, so I'm not really worried about that as much. Struggled with the shot last night. One of three from deep. Only took eight total. But the previous four games prior to that, it's been double-digit shot attempts. And even in that blowout, he still played 31 minutes. So they're going to try to get this guy as much work as they possibly can. So... With all that being said, Kate Cunningham in play for me. On to the Toronto side of the ball, though. Fred Van Vliet coming in at 8700 is expensive price tag. 
If you're running it back against somebody else, I can see you doing it. I just don't see myself having too much Freddie. He has the upside. Don't get me wrong. And then I don't really want to play too many of these guys in general with Pascal Siakam back. I mean, it's the usage that we're seeing custom go to OG and Van Vliet this season is going to get muddled ever so slightly with Siakam back. And I don't really want to play Siakam. If I knew that he was going to play a full complement of minutes, he played 30 in that last one. I could consider him at 82. I want to see 34, 35 minutes. And listen, we're not going to have that update necessarily where it's going to be like, yeah, he's, he's playing 34, 35 minutes. It very, could, very well could be in this game. But this isn't the matchup I want to target. He should get a fair amount of run at center. I expect him to start at center, especially with Achua and Birch questionable. If he doesn't start at center and both those guys are rolled out and Boucher all of a sudden comes into play, a power forward eligibility and center eligibility as a value play at 3,500. And listen, if both those guys are rolled out, I think he's fairly in play anyway. He played 24 minutes in that last game and put up 30 DK points. So with both those guys ruled out, he becomes a pretty solid value play that I'll probably have a decent amount of ownership in. If one of them plays, I probably won't have too many shares of him at all. But he's really the only guy I'm looking at on this team. On to the 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. Boston Celtics traveling to Cleveland, taking on the Cavaliers. Both these teams are on the second end of a back-to-back, so no injury report available. We're going to have to monitor some of this news as well because, as we know, Jalen Brown has missed the last few games with that hamstring injury. So there's a chance he comes back. He's traveling with the I believe, right now. So we have to keep it on. 202-and-a-half game total being favored by three points. Starting with the Celtics, if we see that there is no Jalen Brown, I think Jason Tatum becomes one of the top spend-ups. 10-4, we know the usage. It's a back-to-back. Don't care, though. He's going to get the usage. He's going to get the rebounds. He's going to be able to kind of handle the ball a little bit more and do a little bit of everything. So at 10-4 on a slate where there's not a lot of top spend-ups, very, very much in play. Other guys we want to consider would be Dennis Schroeder if we see that he's not in. But I, I actually like Marcus Smart in this matchup. At 5,200, I think he's a little contrarian. He's been playing big minutes, two back-to-back rock-solid games, 42.5 last night going against the Bucks. Toronto put up 34.5 against them. So this feels like it's a good Marcus Smart matchup. The assists have been up six over the last three games. The shot attempts have been up over the last two. They're looking like they're getting him a little bit more involved on offense, which is something that we wanted to see. And I think he wanted to see. came out and said that he doesn't just like standing in the corner. And then Dennis Schroeder coming off of what seems to be like one of his uh, season-high games in that last one. Played excellent. Put up over 50 DK points. Not going to talk you out of him. But he also took 27 shot attempts, which feels a little bit out of the norm for him. So... 6,300, he'll probably draw a fair amount of ownership in this matchup if there is no Jalen Brown. He's in play for me. I think I just prefer the slight discount and ownership on Smart at $900 cheaper. Some of them have point guard and shooting guard eligibility. And then we got to keep an eye on this front court. It is a back-to-back. Does Al Horford sit? I don't necessarily think so, but it's something that we have to consider and look at and know that they're going to go against this front court. He's, the minutes should be safe for him if he does play, but... He's only played, I think, one back-to-back so far this season. And in that case, it was 29 minutes, um, I believe, on the front half and 26 on the back half. So keep an eye on it. Something worth noting. That's it for me over here on the Celtics. Not the highest game total. We need to watch that news, but there's a lot to consider. On to the Cleveland side of the ball. Ricky Rubio, 6,100. He's coming off to the bench with Okoro back. If he was starting, I'd have a ton more ownership, a ton more shares. 
struggled with a shot in that last one, only shot 22% from the floor, still manages to put up 30 DK points. It's because those assists will continue to be there. If something happens to Okoro or Garland, whether it's an injury or whether it's foul trouble, maybe they look at Okoro and you know want to limit him or even rest him in this spot, knowing that it's the second end of a back-to-back and he's coming back from that injury. In that case, Rubio vaults up my, my, my radar. Uh, I'll have a lot more ownership of him. I'll still have some ownership of him, not as much as others. I think I'll probably be slightly under the field. But at 6,100, I do like the matchup. I do think he's very, very much in play. And again, I think he could be a contrarian play knowing that people might be seeing that price tag go up and how he's routinely putting up 29 or 30. But 29 or 30 is not going to win you a tournament on this slate with six games and a lot of other options at that price tag. If he's playing 30-plus minutes, that will. So keep your eye on the Nubis. If something happens with the Coral and we see something with him, I think Ricky Rubio certainly becomes a better play, but he's in play either way. Jared Allen, AK, coming off of a down game, but... We said it. They didn't really need to play. Uh, they, they absolutely smoked the Pistons. He only played 29 minutes. It's like the lowest minute totals he's played since they played Phoenix, where he played 22. Now, he didn't have the double-digit rebounds that we were looking for. High percentages are always going to be there for him. But at AK, I don't think I'm going to get there. I just talked about so many other centers on the slate that I do like. He's a contrarian play, and I do think he's going to have a good game. But I just don't see myself getting there on this slate. Those are the two guys I'm really looking at. Wouldn't fault you if you wanted to take a look at Garland, who's playing excellent in the absence of Colin Sexton. The usage will continue to be there. He's playing so well when he's on the floor at Mobley. But that's it. I'm really just going to be looking at Ricky Rubio and then a sprinkle of Darius Garland. On to the final game of the night, 10.30 Eastern Standard Time game. We have the Minnesota Timberwolves traveling to L.A. to take on the Clippers. It's the third time these two teams have faced off already in this young season for the Clippers. Serge Ibaka still in the G League. He's ruled out. Kawhi Leonard out. Marcus Morris Sr. out. No injury report for the Timberwolves just yet after they are, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say you know, coming off of a down game. They won. But we didn't have to see much from guys like Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, pretty much with that game intact, only played 30 minutes. So I think this is a good spot for both these teams. I really like this game. I'm going to have a fair amount of ownership in it. It's a good bounce back spot for Anthony Edwards at 8,400. A little bit of a price bump coming off of the down game, which is always weird when we see the algorithm. But he had one really good game, one mediocre game against these teams and two matchups that they played. And it was the mediocre game pretty much came from everybody on that team is because they only scored 84 points in the second game. So it's, it's going to be the tale of two takes in this. We're going to have to see exactly what it is. It's got one of the higher game totals of the night at 222 and a half. Clippers are being favored by seven. So it's all about your game scripts. I think Edwards is very much in play. I'm not going to play much of Carl Anthony Towns. I talked about it, center options on the slate, and there's two other guys I'd rather spend up on. So I don't see myself going to him. It's really going to be Anthony Edwards sprinkling some Patrick Beverly for value at 4,200. He's been playing fantastic, whether he comes off the bench or whether he starts. It doesn't really matter. Uh, the revenge narrative, I guess you could say it's there, but it's the third time these teams played. So I think he's probably got most of the revenge out. But he's played 27 and 31 minutes in those two games. One of them, he got 36 and a half DK points. And the one where they scored pretty much no points, they, he got 14. So I feel comfortable saying about 20 to 25 at 4,200. That's a rock solid value. On to the Clippers side of the ball. I think I have more interest here than on the Minnesota side. Paul George, 10-6, probably one of my top spend-ups. I think he's right there with Jason Tatum. If we hear that there's no Jalen Brown, if there is Jalen Brown playing, then Paul George easily becomes my favorite spend-up over 10K on the slate. Guys, he's been super consistent all season. Gives us a nice, comfortable floor and a high ceiling. It's a good matchup for him. 
played well in this game both times earlier in the season. So definitely have some Paul George interest. Outside of him, I want to take a look at Zubats. At 5K, with all the other centers that we've talked about, he's going to fall to the wayside. He's not going to have a lot of ownership. He's been playing a pretty consistent role over the past five games. And that's all we want to see from him. With double-digit rebounds and three out of the past five, with going against his team two times in three out of the last five games, he's played at least 30 minutes in both of those matchups. In fact, the games this season that he's played more than 30 minutes have been against the Timberwolves. I wonder why. The guy named Carl Anthony Towns on the other side of the floor, they need his size. They're not going to have Serge Ibaka back. So I do like Zubats. I think he's probably going to be one of my favorite contrarian plays, especially at a loaded set in position. At 5K, he makes for a good value. He put up 36.5 DK points in the back end of that game and 24 in the front. So we're looking at a nice little comfortable floor from him. At least 33 DK points in three out of the last four games. I want some Zubats at 5K. Definitely interested in him. Definitely interested in Paul George. I'll probably avoid the guard position in, at a hole. I got my good Bledsoe game out of him in that last one. I don't feel like just chasing, uh, you know, chasing it around. Played big minutes against Miami, though, and put up 35 DK points. And the minutes have been over 30 in the past two, so I wouldn't fault you, and I do prefer him over Reggie Jackson. So those three guys very much in play. Batum remains consistent, but I think we have better mid-tier price range plays where I don't necessarily need to go to Batum at 5'5". Five, five. I think, you know, if we're getting one of those 30-plus games out of him, sure, he's going to pay it off, but... 28 is not going to win you the tournament, but it's not going to sink you. So he makes uh, makes sense for your cash games. I think he doesn't make as much sense in the tournaments. I think Zubats and Paul George are still going to be my two favorite. And then Bledsoe coming in third and Batum coming in fourth. But I do have a lot of interest on this Clippers in this Clippers team. And that brings us home. That is the entire slate, 25 minutes. Now we're going to talk about the player tier segment. I already talked about it a little bit for the expensive tier. It's going to be Paul George at 10-6. We already have that news available for everything we need to play in. Consider George. We don't need to wait on Jalen Brown. So you can start constructing your lineups. And if you wanted to swap them out, get some other ownership. I talked about a lot of those Clipper guys I like. If you want to play Tatum and go with some of those other guys, I wouldn't fault you. I'll have a couple builds that look like that as well. In the mid-tier range, there is a lot we can go with. A whole lot here. Uh, it's going to be for me. And you pick your poison. I mean, any one of those Washington guys between Dinwiddie, Kuzma, and Harrell, I think, you know, Harrell will probably come in at the lower owned. If you wanted to play a bunch of these other centers that we've talked about, then I think it makes more sense to go with Dinwiddie and Kuzma. I'd probably lean Dinwiddie um, simply because the guard position seems a little bit more lackluster as compared to the forward position where we talked about several guys that we like. But both, all three, very, very much in play. And then for the value, a lot of ways we could go. I think Isaiah Stewart is going to be the clear-cut one, so I'm not going to say him, even though I did just say him. And I know this is kind of cheating, but I think Zubat's at 5K. I know it's usually less than 5K, but I really do like Zubat's in this matchup. I think he's going to have 30-plus minutes lined up for him, going against Carl Anthony Towns. So I, I really do like him. And if you wanted me to give the other one, I guess we could say Adams. Two centers, I think, uh, just knowing that they're going to have to play big going against Valanciunas. Not trying to get Jaron Jackson Jr. in foul trouble might be a priority for him. And that's it. That is the slate. Those are my plays. That is kind of how I'm constructing, how I'm building, how I'm going to be mixing and matching. Thank you guys for listening. If you'd like to, I'd appreciate it. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Mike Apatria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. You'll see me tweeting out all the information as I see it from the beat writers. That way you can jump on it. Or you can jump in our Discord. DFS Discord is absolutely a great place to be where we're giving out some of our favorite plays. We're answering questions. We're going over the slate before it locks. 
We'll continue to do that throughout the season. I'm in there pretty much every single day. If you want to get at me, it's right around lineup block and I'm not answering your tweet. That's probably why I am answering other people's questions in that Discord. And then give us a thumbs up, five-star rating review. Wherever you're listening, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're there. We greatly appreciate it. It means a lot to us when we get those reviews in there. Let's just let people know that, hey, you're listening. And not only that, you like what we're doing. Or maybe you want to see us change things. Whatever it may be, give a five-star. Even if you want to give some constructive criticism, we could take it. But just don't throw a one-star out there and say, like, do this differently. I mean, yeah, I think there's some things we're doing right. We could always improve. Uh, but let us know. We're always open to hearing anything. It's kind of how we got this player tier segment started. Somebody left a five-star review, and they said, hey, you guys should do some player tiers. And now we're doing it. So get your input. Put it there. Appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow. Santino will be handling that wonderful Sunday slate riding solo for you guys. Thank you for listening. As always, take care, and let's take down some GPPs. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.